I leave this to you to discuss whether it is really electronic voice phenomenon or some audio that the answering machine picked up at random. I can hear a voice in there and I can tell a couple words but I can't really tell what is being said. Do you have any guess about whose voice this is? Welcome to the dusty road again. You never know what you might find here. And today is no exception. It looks like Dawn is getting pretty big. That 15 year old has turned 16 recently. Matter of fact, with November rolling in, we've given everyone on the dusty road a birthday to help them get older. It looks like little Star is getting ready for school. Robert and Paula are a year older. Henry is 16 now. Jacob is approximately 39. Andrew Logan is 17, so he's in school with Henry. And Melissa is 15 now, so those kids can get together. We're going to have a big group of teenagers. Starla is about 43. And let's see, I've got Darla here on the records. Is that it? No. Dawn is 15. Darla is the daughter. So it's Dawn. We're going to take that out of the records. Yeah. Sorry, there's always a bit of bookkeeping here. You can't get away from that on the dusty road. Anyway, I spent the weekend looking up ultraviolet light and visible spectrums and wavelength of electromagnetic radiation. What we have for you today is a special guest. His name is Oscar Osgood. And this man is a professor from a local university. He's part of DeVry University. Let's type some things here. Oscar Osgood has been having discussions with Roscoe Taylor recently, and Ross the Boss has been recording electromagnetic spectrums on the ground and magnetic anomalies from the air. They are showing Oscar Osgood their data and letting him do the analysis. It appears we have more than just ghosts and witchcraft here. There are some science going on too. And People are using their spells and their science doing the best they can trying to figure out what is affecting the dusty road. What is causing all these scary and weird and monstrous things here. It's very difficult to figure it out because zombies don't appear to be electromagnetic radiation. Coyotes don't appear to obey zombies. And rainbows have nothing to do with coyotes. So how can you combine all these different systems together and come up with a coherent thought? Oscar Osgood, Professor Osgood has told us to start with the rainbows. That one's the easiest one to define. After that, they're looking for samples of the zombie meat that have not been cooked and seasoned. We want something that's natural flesh, not barbecue. So, all that stuff has been collected and disposed of by the CDC. Out in the fields, they still have samples of zombie flesh that has not been ground into the soil yet. 
People have been plowing under and planting cover crops and trying to get that done. I have some oats and red clover here I might be able to plant for the winter. The soil's looking good here in November, and I should get something out to try to let it grow there. We need something that would be good with cold weather, like winter wheat. Now then, when we showed the magnetic anomaly detection equipment to Professor Osgood, he commented how radiation from the atmosphere and geomagnetic radiation from the Earth would affect local magnetic fields. But also, he said, there is a deposit of iron-bearing rocks underneath the village that is causing this. Maybe it's a bowl shape or a dome-shaped collection of rock underneath the water table. And that's causing a funny magnetic field under the village. Now, we're not sure exactly how this magnetic field is affecting local wildlife why we would have red-eyed coyotes, but I think there's more to it than that. What he did say was he was able to measure 30 or 40 gauss on this magnetic field, which may not be real science at all, but I just made that up. So, anyway, the magnetic field is stronger here than out in the city. He measured his own magnetic field at the university, and DeVryu's university doesn't have anything like that. So there's a lot of iron here. He looked at some soil test results from local farmers and concluded there is an ample amount of magnetic rocks and iron in the soil here. That's why we have some of these orange and yellow clays. So we need to watch out for that and see how it's affecting the magnetic anomaly detection equipment that Ross Tiller is using. Now then, Professor Osgood brought out some telescopes to work with Ross and he's been taking spectra of the Sun and the two rainbow emitters. He was able to trace the rainbow patterns and the Mar patterns back to their source points and determine two point sources that appear to be coming from near Earth but are weaker than the Sun. And he was able to conclude that most of the radiation is in the red and yellow portion of the spectrum, while the blue is more of a natural sky color. There is some blue, but it looks the same as the sky. So these emitters come from two points opposite the sun. He compared them to sun dogs and said these are not the same spectrum as the sun. Don't be fooled by that. It's not radiation from the sun. These have two different emitters. They appear to be working on the same wavelength, the same frequency, but they're just slightly out of phase with each other, and it's canceling out the light pattern. That is why we're getting a pattern of bright and dark spots in the sky, little dark diamonds showing up in the sky. He also thinks this radiation is doing something to cause a heating effect on the ground here. It's only slight, maybe 5 or 10 degrees, but the village is warmer than the surrounding air, and that's been causing some weather patterns here. What he's doing is taking spectra of these two sources and asking Ross Tiller to look at it. What kind of object is creating the spectra from beyond the atmosphere? There is something up there. Now, Professor Osgood has talked to 
high-level scientists at NASA and at Sky and Telescope magazine. He is asking them to look for objects in the sky, maybe in near-Earth orbit or something out by Jupiter. He wants to find out what or who or anything is emitting this radiation. Why is it lighting up the atmosphere? For instance, Oscar Osgood told us that when radiation strikes an atom and causes it to re-emit, it often skips part of the electromagnetic spectrum and that light is re-emitted as a photon. And that can help us identify which atoms are part of this spectrum. For instance, ultraviolet light has a wavelength from 280 to 315 nanometers. And that is a lower wavelength than blue light, which is 380 to 500 nanometers. So obviously the difference of, say, red wavelength at 620 to 750 to ultraviolet at 280 would give you blue light and that would help make this rainbow. I don't know where the heat is coming from. I think it's low to the ground such as if ultraviolet light struck pavement or concrete or soil you're going to notice those objects getting warmer and appearing to heat up and that would cause re-emission of heat into the atmosphere that is also known as infrared. So we are getting ground emission of infrared from this source. It's getting to be like September on the dusty road while it's November out in the rest of the country. Sounds like a very much American thing to do right now, but the weather is about 60 degrees here. I would say their weather is more like 70. The ground temperature is continuing to grow some grasses, even though it's supposed to be winter right now. We also noticed a decided lack of zombie activity. People have been getting out and walking the fields, trying to mow grass and hunt deer. Although the deer aren't very trustworthy either, so I wouldn't do that too much. Uh, some people in the press are calling this zombie deer syndrome. It's more of a chronic wasting disease, also known as prions. The prions are proteins that affect the brains of deer. They've also been known in humans and cows and maybe other animals. So we have to be careful with the deer, but to no avail. Some people are hunting deer anyway, and local butchers in town have been told to refuse deer meat, not to process it, and not to let people take it home as venison or ground steaks. Also, restaurants in the city have stopped serving also buco from local sources. So, it's hard to tell. I think we're going to end up seeing this stuff put into meat grinders and blenders and just made into deer meatloaf at home. I have to shudder at the thought. I don't know what's in that meat. We wouldn't be able to detect prions even if we had a test for it. So, this is going to be somewhat dangerous on the dusty road. I wonder if we will have a future episode on prions. As the beloved host of this dusty road, I'll have to say we need to research more about prions to write that. So 
I don't know what Ross Tiller would be able to help me, or if our former scientist Noma Naomi knows how to cook this deer meat and test for prions. Would she know what that is? Curly Naomi Wilder had some science too. She was more of a volcanologist, and Ross Tiller is a Navy guy. He knows about radiation and magnetic fields. So they have some different science. And they will help with each other. Now, we're going to try to put some different sound effects in here and make it part of the show. I have some sound effects on the cell phone. And I'll be looking for sound effects on the internet to include. I know that there was a university out east, Rutgers University, in fact, that had bird calls, such as red tail hawk and Carolina wren, and they recorded those sounds in little five-second bites that you could play on your operating system or in a podcast. I cannot find these things right now. We'll try looking for them. Dr. Osgood concluded his talk by saying, The radiation does not affect the minds of humans. But as far as coyotes and zombies go, he thinks coyotes are safe. They might be confused by the warm weather and the light. Because it has been getting bright at night during the skies here. And during the night skies. And he said zombies are anyone's guess. He said it's not something science teaches about but if you wanted to guess he would say the glow from their eyes is probably the same radiation they might be glowing blue because they're reflecting the light from the skies so it could be that zombie brains are affected by these uh, sky emissions anyway he said the interference with local electronics is probably a local source something nearby he uh, dr. Osgood did comment on the snap boom ghost she said or he said it's a electric source similar in power to an electric fence it could be anywhere from 14,000 to 16,000 volts of electricity and that's enough that if concentrated would throw a human being across the room and set him on fire he said that the concentration of natural gas, propane, and methane inside the Victorian house was higher than the army detected. That there's no way such a flash would have destroyed the house unless it was very concentrated. It would have taken hours to build up. So clearly this was going on before the army arrived. Maybe someone had premeditated that, or the house had a leak in it. <laughs> when the locals told them that gas and electric service and water had been turned off in that Victorian house for years. But he said the pipe was still there. Maybe it was leaking underground. There could also be methane pockets coming up from the soil. It's hard to tell. And that would cause the electricity to flash the 
methane, and that caused the house to explode into a blast of splinters and flesh scattered all over the village. I think it's mostly in two or three local places, maybe at Dell's house and at the Blue Star Market where that was destroyed. And that would be what destroyed the house. Dr. Osgood does not know much about the Snap Boom Ghost. He's not much into paranormal and ghost activity. But we've been talking with ghost investigators outside. So maybe we can tie this together and get one philosophy to talk to the other. We do these cross-coded things all the time so that we can help sciences talk to each other. For the first time, we do have an investigation of the rainbow phenomenon, and Dr. Osgood called this optical interference. It's related to more patterns, and this is where light of the same phase, the same wavelength, comes in at a little bit different phase. And this causes the crest and trough of the two wavelengths to cancel each other out and you end up with a very weak light that is comparable to the difference between the crest and trough. To the locals, this appears as a dark grayish blue or black color. And where you see the wavelengths added together, you get the very strong source of the light, and that disappeared as bright blue or white light in the white diamonds. We don't have a motive for this yet, especially when locals say it is aliens, then we have no idea what the motive is whatsoever. But this is definitely an emission of radiation that we can detect. We know what it is. The only question left is who and why. That's part of it. Now as far as notes go, Loop Road and the swamp has disappeared again. The ghosts, Will, Sam, Amanda, Rachel, and Clark, are all disappeared again. We've been seeing a unknown forest there, and we don't know why that is. The trees are turning a bright orange this year, and it smells very sweet. Kind of like pipe tobacco and leaves burning out there. We did see a bonfire out in the cornfields. Apparently not much going on. So we've had Dawn and Melissa. Melissa still getting over her mom. We've had Andrew and Henry all gathered up with two of their high school friends having a hot dog and marshmallow roast out here. They're telling ghost stories about the hook hand and about the snap boom ghost and they're talking about seeing ghosts walk with them when they go around the loop road there has been some debate among the teenagers about gold-nailed and red-eyed creatures that look like men walking along the farm roads and the gravel roads between farms and these people have said they appear to be vampires, but the teenagers disagree with themselves. We did notice the boys appear to be 
a little afraid to get involved with Melissa. Er, yeah, Melissa because her mom died and Dawn because she's pregnant. So they're not dating each other. But they're talking about other kids at school. And Dawn is not dating anyone right now. But Melissa is talking about a cute boy she saw at school. And said maybe she'll talk to him about trying to stay with her friend Dawn or perhaps moving into the city. She doesn't know yet. Henry's a little young for dating yet, although he's getting older. And Andrew has been out hunting. He's talking about selling some deer meat to people in town and a local blonde girl he likes. So teenager times are coming to the dusty road. Things are getting better. Samantha is out of her crutches and just using the boot to walk on. He's doing good right now. Robert and Paula Dixon bought a new car. It's got some tougher tires on it. Looks a little bit revved up in the back like a race car. But it's just a local custom made. Those tires are helped to get over the gravel road and help them. They can't go too fast, but they have better traction in second gear. That's a good thing for the dusty road. We need that. Now then, Naomi Wilder is helping out with the inn. She has been running her campaign, and there's good news to report. In a very small race running against a local businessman, she was able to get 2 to 1 advantage in votes. Now, this isn't just the dusty road. This township trustee covers a fourth of the county, and the dusty road is on the outer edge of that near the county line. The state highway passes through it, and the lake is part of this district too. So, Naomi is now township trustee for the fourth district in her county. She has more responsibility, and she's been talking about helping the investigations determine what is happening on the dusty road getting some local clinics set up, and getting a new business into the Blue Star market. She thinks it's still the same owners, but she might help them with a bailout to help them get restarted. There is also talk of bringing in a temporary clinic from the hospital, maybe some vans. That will help take care of any wounded or sick on the dusty road. And if we have any zombies left, to experiment with them. There's been some debate among locals about whether to shoot zombies, toss them into a bonfire and burn them, or to put them in a hospital and try to cure them. I guess the local movies have really influenced this and caused some debate. And I think that would be good enough. We're going to make it a little short this week. I want you to get absorbed about all the changes occurring on the dusty road. We have wrapped up the golf season. And we're going to try and get some good sound effects here. I'll try to record a little more speech. You never know what you might fi find on the dusty road. Well, I need to mention my mistake first. The teenage son is Joseph Logan. The father is Andrew Logan. And so it is Joseph Logan who is sitting around with Henry 
Melissa and Dawn watching Dawn's belly get bigger. So they are talking about uh, this is a neat sound effect here. We checked on Joseph getting a message from his high school only when he heard the girl's voice it wasn't quite like her. There was something unusual. She said the girl seemed scared. And she, he heard some weird noises on the answering machine message. His dad, Andrew, reviewed this and took it to Naomi. They're asking whether they should contact police about the matter. And some of the locals are calling this electronic voice phenomenon. But I'm not sure. It's not quite like that. So I'm going to play this sound effect for you. And then we'll get back to some closing audio. I leave this to you to discuss whether it is really electronic voice phenomenon or some audio that the answering machine picked up at random. I can hear a voice in there. And I can tell a couple words, but I can't really tell what is being said. Do you have any guess about whose voice this is? <laughs> 